0: The official summary for the third book in Cecily von Zygesar's Gossip Girl series, which is called All I Want Is Everything, reads as follows. It's Christmas time, and Blair and Serena are best friends again, and up to their old tricks. Partying hard and breaking hearts from Park Avenue to the Caribbean. Blair's mom and Cyrus are having their honeymoon in Salt Key. And when school lets out for the holiday, Blair, Serena, Aaron, and company head down there to blow off steam after their midterm exams. In between pina coladas and topless sunbathing, Blair and Serena plot revenge on super jerk Chuck Bass. Everyone jets back to NYC for Serena's New Year's party, during which Nate and Blair may or may not finally go all the way. And Serena may or may not be discovered to be the secret fling of Hollywood's hottest young leading man. Sounds juicy, right? Well, we are talking about Gossip Girl here, so yeah. This third installment in the series that just launched a very polarizing HBO Max reboot was published in 2003 and inspires all kinds of conversations in the episode you're about to hear. My guests and I compare notes on our early Gossip Girl memories, draw comparisons between the leading characters in this fictional Upper East Side universe and our favorite reality shows, cringe at the slut-shaming and patriarchal vibes on display in The Humphrey Family, and talk about the ways in which the author subverts some of the stereotypes about gender and sex that we were used to reading in our own teenage days. And, of course, we kick things off with the eternal Gossip Girl question. Blair or Serena? I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. We did have a little IT glitch here and there, which I will apologize about in advance. One of my guests recently moved and was working things out with her recording setup, and there are a few moments where you'll hear a crackle over her audio. I know it's a little annoying, but we ultimately correct it each time, and I hope you'll be forgiving. Trust me, it's worth waiting it out. To borrow from the words of Gossip Girl, you know you love us in spite of the inevitable technological challenges of being independent podcasters. Today's guests are the co-hosts of what I can only describe as the podcast of my literal dreams, which is called Table Flipping. Table Flipping is here to unpack the way women are portrayed on reality TV and to gush about the characters, fashion choices, and iconic blow-ups that occupy probably too much space in our brains. Each week, actress Taylor Mishak, who you can see on FXX's Dave, and writer Alyssa Lippman recap the infinite reality shows they're currently watching, which always involves a healthy mix of Bravo, TLC, and The Bachelor. They use all of this as a jumping off point to share personal stories and fantasize about what it would be like to behave as freely as the women of reality TV. You can find Table Flipping on your podcast player of choice and you can follow the show on Instagram at Table Flipping Podcast. You can find Taylor on Instagram at Taylor Mishak and Alyssa on Twitter at Alyssa Littman. I had so much fun hanging out with these two while we recorded this episode and I am so grateful to them for joining me. As I hope you know, I am also so grateful to all of you for your support for SSR. As the podcast has grown, it's occupied more and more of my time, and since SSR is an entirely independent operation, your support helps make that possible. If you're a big fan of the show and want to be part of its growth, and also cash in on some very fun rewards, you can join SSR's Patreon for as little as a dollar per month. This week I'll be announcing the book selection for our September patron-exclusive book club, aka SWR, shit we read, and that's only one of the many perks available to you as a Patreon supporter. Learn more and join the Patreon family at www.patreon.com ssrpodcast or by visiting www.ssrpodcast.com and clicking support at the top of the page. It's never totally comfortable to talk about money, but I want to continue to give this community my best as it grows along with the show, and your contributions really go a long way there. Thanks so much to all of the patrons listening now. Just so we're not talking about money too much, there are other ways to support SSR too. Leave a 5-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts, share this episode to your Instagram story, or tell a book lover in your life that they've got to check out the pod. As you share SSR on social media, don't forget to tag me so I can see. SSR is at Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find the show on Facebook at the SSR Podcast or the SSR Podcast Community. You can also join our free SSR Book Club, in which every month, volunteer leaders facilitate conversations about two books that have previously been featured on the podcast in facebook slack and on google hangouts in august the ssrbc is reading holes and appropriately for this gossip girl episode the first book in the gossip girl series it's not too late to get involved Sign up at www.ssrpodcast.com slash ssrbookclub or at the link in SSR's Instagram bio at ssrpod. This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title from Alexandra Ivy, Intended Victim. Demonstrating her strong plotting ability, Alexandra Ivy delivers a tale full of chilling suspense and unforgettable twists. Her blend of electrifying thrills, complex characters, and top pacing is certain to captivate readers of romantic suspense, and crossover female thriller readers. You can find Intended Victim by Alexandra Ivey wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. Find out more about how to support independent bookstores when you shop for audiobooks at Libro.fm. That's L-I-B-R-O F-M. We all love the feeling of directing our dollars towards small businesses instead of giant corporations, and Libro.fm makes that possible even if you don't happen to live near an independent bookstore IRL. The audiobooks you get from Libro.fm are exactly the same as the ones you would buy from the big guys, and they're the same price too. SSR listeners can get a discount on their first audiobook purchase from Libro.fm. Use code SSRPOD when prompted on the site to get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of just one month. Now let's go to the show. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. You may recognize SSR as an elementary school-era abbreviation for silent sustained reading, but if you don't, that's okay. What it stands for here is Shit She Read. Each week, we'll crack the binding on an old-school read written for kids or teens and talk about it from a kind of grown-up perspective— We'll obsess over heartthrobs, relive the frustrations of middle school, and say an occasional WTF to a beloved author. If we haven't met yet, I'm your host, Allie Hofkosik, freelance writer, lifelong bookworm, and lover of anything covered in rainbow sprinkles. So find your favorite reading spot and a glass of wine. We're about to revisit some literary throwbacks right here on the SSR Podcast. Hi, Taylor. Hi, Alyssa. Welcome to SSR. Hi, Hi. Thank you for having us. We're very excited to be here. It's so fun to have you. I stumbled on your podcast, Table Flipping, a couple of months ago and I was like, this podcast is the answer to all of my podcast hopes, dreams, and prayers. <laughs> and I will ask you to share a little bit more about it at the end of the show. So listeners, you're going to have to hang on so you can hear all about it. But in the meantime. We are talking about the third book in the Gossip Girl series, which is called All I Want is Everything, which I just think is a <laughs> hilarious title. And before we get into it, I want to hear about any like personal connection that both of you, either of you have to Gossip Girl, the, the books, the TV shows there's a new TV show, the timing Mm -hmm. couldn't be working out better. Like, tell me everything about Gossip Girl. All I want is everything that you feel about Gossip Girl.
1: (laughs) All I want is everything. Alyssa has a really good Gossip Girl backstory.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So
2: I'm actually not the biggest reader. Taylor is a much bigger reader than me. But when Gossip Girl came up, I was like, we have to do it because when I was a freshman in high school, My parents took us to Paris for Christmas, which was like maybe the most exciting trip I've ever been on. And we had a Christmas Eve dinner at the Eiffel Tower, and I got so badly food poisoned that I was up all night, just like uncontrollable diarrhea straight through the night in like a hotel room with one bathroom. And I tried to sleep on the toilet paper, but it was just like not happening. And I read the entire (laughs) Gossip Girl series. (laughs) That is amazing. So that's like – that's the fastest I've ever read a, a book, I think, honestly. It's such a funny, very
1: specific image. Yeah. Of, she was like, oh, yeah, Gossip Girl, definitely read it. And I, I had the – I had a much more normal experience where I also read every book like feverishly and I yeah. was at a point – I think when I discovered them – Only three or four were out, so I would be like, uh, you know, a fiend for the release date and make make my mom drive me to Barnes and Noble to get these little paperbacks with like girls in bikinis smoking on the front. And I was like, I need this book. I need to be Serena. So I was very, I was like eating these. And then when the TV series came out, I remember being like a little jerk about it because I was like, this isn't very true to the book. This is not what Jenny looks like. This is not who's (laughs) into this person. And then so I like stopped out of protest as if anyone would care. And then as an adult, I've gone back and I've watched quite a bit of it, of the show as well.
2: Yeah, I watched most of the show as well. And I think I was the exact age the characters were supposed to be. Like, I remember being a junior or senior in high school when they were juniors and seniors in high school. And I really was like, okay, so I'm going to go to NYU and I'm going (laughs) to live like Serena Vanderwoodson and Carrie Bradshaw. And then I got into NYU and I was like looking at the budget that I would have to live on. And I was like, Mm, not for me i don't think like this
0: is gonna be a rough go and i can't uh, buy
1: any louis batons if i go to nyu
0: yeah (laughs) i won't be living in a hotel like the vanderwoodsons so i'm out yeah
2: so but it was very like aspirational you know all the headbands had a big impact on me
0: great cast yeah great cast do we lean like blair or serena do we have like is there a particular camp that you feel strongly about I
2: love the Leighton Meester. You know, I feel like yeah. she's gone on to really show her comedy chops after this show, and I, I always love the villain too. So Blair was very much like a mean girl, and I was like, "Yes, you tell them." But Serena <laughs> has such beautiful hair, you know. Yeah,
1: but also reading it this time around, I was realizing that I do recall as a teen first reading this, finding Serena to be so aspirational. I thought she was so glamorous and like so mysterious and cool. And this time around reading it, I found her to be like really rude. Like she just like blows (laughs) a lot of people off because her hair is so nice. And it's like, well, she just is just ignoring people and not finishing conversations and making other people plan her parties. So this time around as an adult, I was like, oh, I'm way more of a Blair. Blair's like, I need to get this essay written. And I'm like, that's Mm no, I'm Blair. When did that happen?
0: Yeah. Well, we've talked in previous episodes about how the fact that Blair is so like intense and so smart and ambitious is sort of like villainized in the book and it's made out mm. to be uncool, which mm-hmm. I like definitely wasn't aware of when I was a teen. You just are looking at this girl and you're like, ugh, like be a little cooler. And I, I definitely leaned more in the blurred direction as a teen because I was like 0% fun when I was a kid and now I'm probably like 15% fun. So I like, <laughs> like to think I'm getting closer <laughs> to Serena every day. But yeah, I think that when I read these as an adult, especially like getting into these like college storylines, I feel mm-hmm. like Blair is made out to be this, like, terrible human, this, like, scary woman. And it's, it's only because she's trying to go to Yale, which is, like, a very legitimate and awesome goal. Yes,
1: it is, and it's there's like even in in this book in the beginning they're all taking there's like a scene where they're all taking classes and it's like Serena's grades were fine but she didn't have to try very hard because she's Serena right. and I was like that would have been a really detrimental thing for me to read when I was younger if I was trying to be Serena like you don't she doesn't you don't have to try at all if you're just like cool like so only the uncool characters were trying to get into college like that seems like uh, isn't a little... that
2: like so much of being a teenager is like that oh God my my, my fort that I've made is falling on me sorry guys um, I it's like caring about anything being invested in anything like when I was in high school I was like super invested in like environmental science and everyone thought that was so fucking annoying and now everyone's like <laughs> climate change and I'm like yeah I told you you're you like know. I was there I was, I was
0: at the forefront of you this. told me really?
2: it's uncool so I don't know what to tell you maybe you're not included now but it really that I feel like is what we're getting down to is like when we read this when we were Younger, it seems really like freeing to be Serena and like not really care and sort of be like sent Mm -hmm. away and like fuck everyone's boyfriends and smoke cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And it's like Blair, just like be a little bit more chill. But then when you
0: grow up, you're like, Blair's going to go places. Yeah. She's going to get there. Well, because of the nature of your podcast, I have a question that I have not asked anybody else in any previous Gossip Girl episodes, but I think we need to play a little game. Okay. What reality TV? stars do these characters correspond to? Like, mm-hmm. I think we should start with Blair because I have a thought, but I, I really wanna hear what you think first.
1: Uh, can we pick from like the world of Bravo, like just out of Bravo liberties who a Blair is?
0: Yeah, let's do Bravo specifically. I feel like Housewives maybe makes the world a little bit smaller for us. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Blair. I can't wait to see if you have the same thought that I do.
2: I weirdly really think Blair grows up to be like a Bethany.
0: Is that That's, what I thought. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. That's what I
2: thought, too. Yeah, it's the
0: intensity. It's the focus. It's like I'm a huge Bethany apologist, a huge Bethany fan, and I feel like Bethany is very misunderstood. And I do think that Blair is is misunderstood a lot of the time in these mm-hmm. books. So I, I agree with you, Blair and Bethany. There is a – do you watch um, Summer House at all? I have not gotten into Summer House. I only recently made the leap into Below Deck, and it's taken over my life.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Enjoy. There's so much. But there's like oh, there's a character, I'll say there's a woman on uh, in Summer House. Her name's Amanda. And she's like running a company with her boyfriend. And the, the scenes of her like being a little bit more type A and a little bit more like I've got my goal and I've got what I'm doing feels like a little Blair to me. Although she has Serena hair. So I guess she's a little bit of both. But yeah, the Bethany comparison makes total sense.
0: Yeah, what I think Serena is a little harder because I do think that like by nature, Housewives are not carefree. Like you, kind yeah, they're of, not like, as effortless. No, you kind of have to put in a little more effort if you want to be a housewife. But like, maybe I'm thinking, I'm thinking, California. She has
1: sort of an LC Kristen Cavalieri vibe, That's kind true. of, where there's just like hot fashion girl who is like, you know, elusive in some senses. But I yeah. feel like Lauren is ultimately sort of, although we've talked about revisiting the Hills, the original Hills, Lauren is sometimes a little bit of a bitch in sort of yeah. a Serena way, I'm realizing through this read.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. The other thought I have about Serena, I think Serena could grow up to be maybe a little bit of a Kelly Ben Simone if she is if her energy is not channeled in the right direction. Like Mm. I can see her going off the deep end, Scary Island style, perhaps if she just marrying like rain a a little photographer
2: who just like kind of makes her lose her mind essentially, and having a big porcelain horse in the middle of her living room for no reason.
0: So, yeah, she could marry a Vogue photographer and have a horse in the middle of her fancy New York apartment. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, those are, I think those are good guesses as yeah. to who they would correspond to. What about a Jenny? Oh, Jenny. Sweet Jenny. I know. It
2: depends on like which phase of Jenny, you know? That's true.
0: What about as we find her in this book, book number three? She's chasing after Nate. It's very cringy. I had a really hard time reading it.
1: Yeah, it's so uncomfortable. She's like so – when she sends him a gift box oh. with like a lock of her hair in it and she's so excited to show him several yeah. different portraits that she's painted of him. I guess that that part of her that's a little like screw loose reminds me of Doreet. but maybe I'm just mm. thinking of uh, Doreet having portraits of herself.
0: Or like a Sheena? What do you think? Oh, a Whoa. Sheena. That's exactly totally. it. Yeah. 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 Well, I was thinking this it is very be, Sheena. It has to be someone who is like – like it's a Sheena in the Rob period. Like, yes. Like thinking that Rob is in love with her. And everybody around her is right. like, honey, yes.
2: stop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sheena. Have you guys ever done anything like that for a guy? Like been a Jenny or been a Sheena?
0: I fully have. Okay. Okay, I want to hear (laughs) that. I don't have any good stories. I have no good stories. You've never given them gifts
1: like that, Alyssa. Have Have you given them hair? I definitely like… Simped for a guy where I'm hair. like, okay, yeah, you've never given them your no, hair. But I've, I've like let guys be meaner to me than they should be, and me right. be like, I'm never going to talk to him again. And then he texts me and is like, Do you want to like- drive all the way to Sherman Oaks? I'm like, I'll be there in two minutes. You're like, Hey, but I've never <laughs> given them my hair.
2: <laughs> One time I drove across LA right after I'd taken a NyQuil because a guy I really liked who I could never like get plans with was like, Come over right now. <laughs> oh my god, anyway, yes, no, that's not the story. So, I when I was in college, this is so deeply sad for myself. I got tricked into liking this guy who was like my friend who had done this to multiple girls in our group. Where I was like, he seems like a good guy to be with because we're friends and he's going to like respect me. And that was not the case at all. I learned he was actually dating a virgin and was supplementing not having sex with me. So that's cool. Oh, no. Anyway, his whole like, I can't hang out with you story In the we lived in the same building he lived above me was like, I'm going through a really hard time with my family, like all this stuff, right? And we had just been to a party at his apartment and I knew because he was going through such a rough time, like... Him and his roommates like didn't have time to clean it up. So I dragged my good friend up there and we cleaned their entire apartment and then we bought them a Christmas tree and put out Christmas (gasps) cookies.
0: Alyssa. And he like
2: made fun of me.
0: You like made Christmas for him. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Alyssa, this sounds so unlike you. Yeah,
2: I have (laughs) problems. I've been through (laughs) a lot of therapy. Like, again, like we I've talked about how like I have a hard time not trying to do stuff to make people like me. Like yeah. I have had to work on like, people should just like you for who you are and you shouldn't yeah. have to give them things. Like that's one of the things I used to do. <laughs> anyway, like, he's still with that girl, so God bless. Like it was meant to be, I guess. <laughs> wow,
1: that is so Jenny of you. It that is is. It it is like talking about all of this, it does remind me of the times when, you know, your hormones when you're that age, especially the age that they are in this book, are like stronger than drugs. Yeah. And yeah. The, you're just like absolutely intoxicated by this crush. And of course they make you know it's Nate Archibald. He's like the hottest, most special thing in the world. Right. And it is, it would just it did remind me of just how strong my freshman or sophomore crushes were. And if they were older, my God, right. like you know, two years older than you, three years
0: older than you at that time was like, I'm dating George Clooney. It was like
2: wild. Totally.
0: I mean, th- one of the things that struck me most about this book was just like the number of times that I wrote in the margins of this book their expectations and like experiences are so fucking out of alignment or some version of that note like so Mm -hmm. many as I was going through my notes today there were so many moments where I just was like they could not be on more different pages so like when we leave them in the second book Nate has broken up with Blair at Blair's mom's wedding on the very night that Blair thought she was going to finally lose her virginity to him in this very glamorous way with like heels on, which, I mean, I don't think anybody's ever done that successfully. Maybe (laughs) I'm wrong, but like, I don't, it just generally doesn't work out that way. No. And so Nate like decides that he's going to go with Jenny instead. And they're like making out in the hotel lobby. And so now they're together. I forgot how like short, like what, how short the time periods are for each of these books. Like it's yes. so thick.
1: This book takes place over like 10 days. Yeah. It's basically just their winter break. It's like leading up to their winter break and then their winter break and it ends on New Year's. And I remember that's like, no wonder I was a frigging drug addict for this book in right. high school is because it felt like you were only getting little snippets of a bigger major story. It's, it's a genius way to have a book with like very little actually happen. <laughs> Be so
0: addictive. Yeah. So they're together. It has all happened very quickly. And when we find them in this limo driving home from a party, like, I don't even know how they ended up in this limo with this like musician named Flo, who's super famous. And there was Serena and Katie and Isabel, who like everybody seems to hate. Like, they're totally the friends that nobody likes. And Nate is just totally stoned and he has no idea what's going on. And Jenny is like, We are in love. Here we are (laughs) being in love. And this is pure romance.
1: I feel like it hit me most that you're, it's, it's, she's learning what a fuckboy is. Yes. Like that's when you learn because you then look back and she would describe it exactly as you did in retrospect and go, I was just like in this crazy limb. I shouldn't have even been there. He was stoned. He didn't even care I was there. And I was obsessed with him. Like you look back at those memories and go, oh my God, what was I thinking? But then also this book is a very good example of explaining how fuckboys just like accidentally become fuckboys. Like he takes her to the nutcracker, which is like in and of itself, a huge gesture, so cute, so romantic. Like, of course she's not foolish for being like, he wants to be my boyfriend. Like he loves this. And it's like, when you see it from his perspective, he's like, I just kind of like when the mouses are dancing. And it's like he doesn't get it. So you you watch the two characters, like you said, their expectations and versus reality, or like their expectations from one another are so different. But you could kind of see where Jenny is like, yeah, he loves me.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's wild and like very upsetting. And then the other scene that. I mean, there were many, but another major scene between the two of them that was so cringy for many reasons was when they're in Central Park after the Nutcracker. So like, I'm thinking, okay, maybe this guy is redeemable. It is super cute that he takes her to the Nutcracker, even though apparently this is like a thing that he does with his girlfriends because he and Blair went to see the Nutcracker because I guess that's what you do when you're Nate Archibald. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: she decides that she's going to say that she loves him, which is heavy anyway. Like, I don't think I even remember the first time... I told somebody that I love them. I'm pretty sure I did not initiate it. Like, I don't ever remember going into an interaction with a boy and being like, today is the day that I tell them. And, like, planning it? No. She yeah. was ready, though. Like, she, was, she yeah. was prepared.
1: She was about to burst. Yeah. She, like, had to say it. Yeah. No, I can't remember a time, certainly at that age, where I, like – I, I had to announce it yeah. in that sort of a way, but I do remember being in like you know puppy love in high school with like a, a boy who would all we would just be like we love each other and we're gonna get married. But it was like we were both very gross and on the same page. It wasn't <laughs> professing my love in the middle of Central Park to just like a stoned older hot guy who was using me to look at my tits, which is what this relationship is. That's exactly it. This okay. This leads me though into the if you don't mind me hijacking this for a Go second, for it. I what love I think is it. like. The craziest part of the book is obviously like part of the climax is that that scene where they're in Central Park. She says, "I love you." They start like goofing around, and Vanessa Dan's girlfriend happens to capture footage of them like kissing and then rolling around on the ground, and and Nate blowing a raspberry on Jenny's butt. And there's this footage of it, and of course, somehow. Gossip Girl gets a hold of it, and everybody's like, look at this porn link. Look at this <laughs> sex video. This is such a crazy link. And I was really shocked by the like wild slut-shaming sort of theme that it took. Like, and and everybody blamed Jenny. And even Jenny was just like embarrassed and like felt and wasn't like mad at everybody else. It was such a bizarre big deal to me, Taylor, now. And I I just remember reading that as if it was like NBD when I was Jenny's age, like 14, 15. And now
0: it's why like even Dan calls her a slut, his own sister. Yeah. I mean, Dan really let me down in this book because, and again, I think sometimes I get confused between like book Dan and TV Dan and like TV Dan is generally a lot better. But the slut shaming is wild And I did pull out this one quote from Dan or, like, from Dan's interior monologue where, like, I guess Vanessa captured the footage when Dan and Vanessa are fighting. Like, they're having their own issues all around sex and Dan not wanting to have sex and Vanessa wanting to have sex. And he, of course, is, like, frustrated creatively And he, like, can see from the camera angles of the so-called, like, porn site that it was Vanessa's (laughs) work. And and the line is, it was the work of Vanessa Abrams. Dan was sure of it. He punched the power button on his computer, disgusted with himself for watching for so long. But even more disgusted with Vanessa and Jenny. Sluts. And then he writes a poem about it called Sluts. Called Sluts!
1: Called Sluts. And, like, what... (laughs) The hell, and there's no, like, there's no tone in the book. Like, it does, it makes it feel, I felt like the way that it's written is like, oh, isn't this, like, kind of raunchy? Mm -hmm. Like, isn't this sort of sexual? And it's not like, oh, this is wrong. Like, this is a really wrong reaction. And I was so hoping that there would be a moment of either Vanessa or Jenny or some other character in the book being like, bro, calm the fuck down. What you're doing is wrong. Slut shaming is insane. And instead he gets rewarded. Because Vanessa
0: publishes the sluts poem in the New Yorker. It's my favorite. Which is so insane. It's my favorite. Also, it was like two days and he got accepted to the New Yorker. Yeah, as you do. Right. There's it's like easy. this
2: weird – I mean, I don't – obviously, I've never lived in New York. But there's this weird – it happens on Housewives too where it's like people – there's like a self-importance of certain people in New York where like no one outside of New York even knows about them. Even, I would argue, like a Tinsley Mortimer to a certain extent. Talk about a Gotham yeah. Girl cameo. Oh yeah. I don't know that the whole world was aware of her unless you lived in New York. And so hearing like these teenagers have so much power to get in the New Yorker is like bizarre if you didn't grow up there. And
1: in that same, so at the very end, when she it's like revealed that she sent the piece to the New Yorker and it's getting published, there is also a famous filmmaker that reaches out to Vanessa and like wants to work with her. And she's like, No, I would rather be, I swear I highlighted it but she's like, I would rather be with my boyfriend than think about my career. And I was like, ah! I threw my <laughs> book across the room. I was like, this is insane. I can't believe it explicitly says that.
0: And then she was also like, my films will be way better than what this guy makes anyway. Yeah, Like she continues I'm just to justify it.
1: Filming strangers in the park, I guess. But I Oh, yeah. Besides, she didn't feel like talking about her career right now. Anyway, she was too busy kissing Dan, her boyfriend. And I wrote, boys over
0: career? No! (laughs) You have a real opportunity here, Vanessa, and you're throwing it away with your feet. Yes,
1: it was. And could you imagine? You're in high,
0: and again, high school.
1: There's right. so much of this. It's. I mean, I think I knew when I was reading the whole series as a as a teen that, like, obviously things were really heightened, and it is this like really cool New York world, and everything is still. If I I was I understood the genre, but I had way more moments of reading it now, going, "My God, they're in high school! Like, you're just going to let this flow like Adam Levine want to be like." kiss a 17 year old in front of blair's parents like there's all that stuff going on this link is like child porn it's like his nudity of jenny and nobody talks about that
2: it's her brother watching it too right Mm -hmm. like that's Mm -hmm. i don't know man like my brother i have a younger brother and i know when you know, his friends were about to go in high school, and I was a senior in high school, he would get a little like stop like wearing that around my friends, like, which is understandable. (laughs) And I would be like, literally, I don't think about eighth graders. Like, what are you talking about? Um, But I don't think my brother would ever like want to watch a video of me where my butts out. It, do, no. What do you think, Taylor? Or
1: be angry with you about it. No way. It like starts off as an accident, but he like keeps watching it to confirm he recognizes the camera work of Vanessa. But yeah, their relationship <laughs> is so wild because then he's like mad at her for it. And I know either of my brothers would just try to forget about it as fast as possible. Like my brothers would have full blown amnesia. And listen, my brothers have seen my butt on TV. And they, <laughs> I tell true. you right
0: now, are pretending it never happened. <laughs> They're like, Taylor doesn't have a butt, and it definitely wasn't yeah, I'm pretty They're sure like, my brother's never seen my
2: butt, TV. so I understand. I understand that. That's fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, there's just this weird, like, patriarchy thing in general that happens, like, in the in the Humphrey households where, like, the yes. dad says to Dan, well, from now on, I want you to keep an eye on her. I may be lenient, but I can't have her running around like some sort of floozy and then he says, "Dan's going to watch you like a hawk and make sure you don't sneak around because clearly you can't be trusted." Yep.
2: Yeah. What is happening? It's messed up, you guys. <laughs> it's bad. Like-
1: it's really, isn't it just so, it's so funny. So have you, did you read these, Allie, when you were younger and now you've re- reread them for the pod? Like, are you having the same sort of, or is this your first time reading them?
0: No, I reread. I read them when I was a kid. I don't think I read the whole series, yeah. but I like you. Like, I was very taken with them and I, it was sort of like. And I've talked about this a little bit on the pod before, like it felt dangerous, like these covers, Mm -hmm. like I felt like I had to hide them when I was reading them, like at the beach with my family. And like, it was like the most illicit thing that I was doing when I was 12 and 13, which is how old I was when these books came out. But Mm -hmm. I don't think I read the whole series, because I feel like at a certain point, like they became a little annoying to me. And then the Mm -hmm. show came out. And so that sort of took precedence. But I feel like maybe I read like maybe two more beyond book three when I was a teen. So I'm almost at the point where I'm like past what I'm familiar with from, you know,
2: 20 years ago. I don't know yeah. if you guys have talked about this, not to bring it back to the show, but I just so vividly remember the marketing for the original Gossip Girl and I still think it's like genius to this day. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. whole thing was like too scandalous for parents. Like totally. and that's how you get an audience, you know. Mhm. It's it it's very sexy. Oh, it worked yeah.
1: for sure. I remember that was a big. That was one of the first shows where I like independently was like, mom, show me how to use the TiVo. I've got to watch this show, and like it was something I had to watch and like record by myself. And then of course I'm sitting there like holding all of my books, and I was like, mm, it's not exactly like the books. And then I like boycotted it. But I was so the the advertising was so sexy. And then now the the reboot is very fascinating. Have you watched it's, it? Uh, yes so i watched okay. in preparation of this pod and it was my fa- this has been my favorite homework in a long time i'll tell you that like I'm this so book glad. and this show i was like this is really really great i love an excuse to like tony walks past me he's like you're reading gossip girl and i'm like yeah leave me alone i'm like taking no <laughs> i have a highlighter <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, yes. get out of the room perfect but the the new pilot of the or like the reboot is it's fascinating because listen everything and we're talking about it that is so Sexy and intoxicating about the book, like the world of the like, hey, Upper East Siders and the fashion and the beauty and the like alcohol, and the smoking, it, like that's still all very much there. But then this one, I feel like it's trying to do an overcorrection of like the cast is way more diverse. The yeah. plot involves like a lot more diversity, is way more inclusive. But then my biggest question is, and I texted Alyssa this, I don't know who the show is for uh-huh. like if it because it's it feels like it's for me it I feels agree. like the original gossip girl fan like there's so many nods to the original show there's nods to the book but then it's but it makes me feel a little old watching it it doesn't feel super fresh it's bizarre I just like want to know who their audience is and it's even being released once a week which is not super typical anymore and that made me more curious too of like who do they want to watch this show
0: yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed watching it. I Alyssa, I'm curious what your impressions were if you watched it also. I really liked it. I didn't really understand what was going on. Like, I was very confused <laughs> at the end. I was like, there's conflict. I don't know who's at the center of the conflict. I don't know who caused all of this.
2: But mm-hmm. I kind of
0: liked the way that they were weaving in, like, previous Gossip Girl. Like, I liked that it felt like they were speaking to me a little bit with the teacher's thing, even though the teacher mm-hmm. potentially being Gossip Girl is – kind of fucked up and like abusive to their students. Yeah, like wrong. (laughs) It was really wrong, but I like generally enjoyed it. It's so pretty and I do appreciate the fact that like Well, like so many of the conversations I've had about Gossip Girl on the podcast are about how it's so hard to read this story in a world where our lives are ruled even more by the online world. And like, it's so hard to read Mm. this book and be like, oh, yes, of course, this would be like a creepy website and not an Instagram story. Like it just doesn't, it's hard for me to compute in 2021. So I like that we get that correction in the reboot. But it was panned. I mean, I read that it had the highest viewership of any HBO Max series to date. And it was like trending on Twitter, but USA Today had the nastiest review. The first line of which was, Gossip Girl should have stayed dead.
1: Oh no. Wow. I mean, the writing in the, especially the beginning, and I know a lot of pilots can suffer from this, but it felt pretty aggressive in this instance where there would just be this sort of expository lines at the beginning to be like, Dad, you know Constance Billard is the best school and there's yeah. no way I'm going to be – And like there was a lot of that, like a lot of setup in the beginning that that did come off like pretty cheesy. Yeah. But it, like you said, it's just so – Beautiful. It's like it's just so fun to look at. It's like it reminds me of my grandma watches soap operas, and, and I'm like, it's sometimes amazing to me you're so into it. And she's like, oh, the people are beautiful, the outfits are amazing, their jewelry right. is stunning. What else? They do you get need? so upset at each other. What else do you need? It's just like emotion porn at that point. It's so colorful. I am. Uh, yeah, I guess it makes sense that it it was. And the awesome girl should have stayed dead. Did you have a chance to watch it, Alyssa?
2: I haven't yet, but I am excited because I don't care if it's bad. And that's how I feel about the Hills reboot. I'm like, who's this for? It's only for people who watch the Hills. But that's like not MTV's audience, you know, and like same with HBO Max. So I know. Very interesting.
0: The Hills reboot was harder for me. I fell off of it pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, it's uh, we're fully obsessed with it, (laughs) so it's okay. We can agree to disagree, but we're not, I'm not even gonna lie. Like, it might be the best show on TV right now. (laughs) No, it's just like fully nonsense, and you have to just go in and be like, okay, Spencer's talking about more pie. Like, that's all, that's all the show is.
1: Yeah, they're just so silly. Yeah, I do plan on continuing to watch the new Gossip Girl. I think it's could be one of those. Sh- I mean, obviously, if it had so many high ratings, people yeah. are going to keep watching it. I want to see what weird stuff. I just like want to be able to talk about it.
0: I like it. I'm not, I'm not going to give up on it. And I think it's really pretty. And I think I think yeah. the efforts that they're making toward inclusivity are important. I don't know that it's fully successful. But I think what they're doing, Mm. I appreciate the effort. And I actually am more interested in what people from those often like marginalized and underrepresented groups have to say about the efforts at inclusivity than like, I mean, Mm. who cares what I have to say about it. And a lot of reviewers who are probably like white and straight are saying that it's over the top, but I want to know what other people think. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious listeners, if you've watched the new reboot, what your thoughts are, and definitely DM me on Instagram and let me know. But one other thing that I wanted to chat about before we start to wrap up this conversation is the Vanessa Dan relationship. And the fact that like throughout this whole book, it's basically a power struggle between the two of them about whether or not they're going to have sex. Dan doesn't feel ready. He's this like super romantic guy. He doesn't want to have sex unless it feels like love. Vanessa's already had sex. and so to her, it's like not that big of a deal. Um, one line that I pulled out was he was a virgin, and Vanessa wasn't. He didn't know how he felt about that. Actually, he did. He felt nervous, stupid, short, skinny, pale, weird, and completely inadequate. What did she have to go and have sex with some other guy for? I would love to know your thoughts about this. I have, like some mixed feelings about it. I do kind of appreciate the fact that we're like turning on its head this like very tried and true stereotype where like it's always the teenage boy who's pressuring his girlfriend to have sex. Like I appreciate that we're seeing like a different side of that dynamic and it's subverting people's expectations. Like I think that's pretty cool. But it just feels like so I don't know what the word is. It feels so like binary almost that like they have to be at these two extremes of the conversation and he does end up slut-shaming her about it because she has had sex. Like it's not just this thing that he's trying to understand it becomes this thing where he's like being critical of her for wearing lingerie because she wants to like look good for him. And it just, it feels like he, it feels like he can't, I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm laughing a little bit because like I I, I listened to a lot of bachelorette recap podcasts and like, of course, the whole conversation this season has been about Katie's like sex positivity And I think that it's possible for Dan to be sex positive while still being a virgin. And I feel like Dan is sex negative. And if Katie Thurston's season of The Bachelorette has taught us nothing else, (laughs) it's that like like Mikey P, you can be a virgin and Mm -hmm. still be sex positive. And that's not what's happening here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I I appreciated, like you said, the the just seeing sort of a, I guess, role reversal in terms of like the gender and the pressure of wanting to have sex. And I like it's even somewhat demonstrated in the line you read that it's clear we get to see that it's um, coming from an insecure place in Dan of feeling just very, very sensitive and very scared and very insecure about sex, which is important to see like a male character do in this story and like I remember as a teen being like that's so crazy that like boys are even nervous for sex because I had like the dumb sort of stereotype of like all guys just want to get their dick wet and they're all experts at it and you just have to figure it out and like so it's it's nice to see a guy be precious about it and nervous but then Similar with the Nate stuff, you see it manifest itself in terms of what he says and does to Vanessa. He's not open and honest from that direction. Instead, he like tells her he wants to do it her way. He needs it to be a certain level of romantic. She is rushing him and it becomes like a blame game in a way that made me sad. Yeah. So it's like, come on, dude, get in touch with your feelings.
2: I hate to say this, and I kind of feel the same way about like the slut shaming. That was like my experience of high school. You know, like I don't know what high school is like today, but people are not thoughtful Mm. and they don't have the experience to like break this kind of stuff down. And it is very much like you're a prude or you're a slut. And, you know, I do agree that it's nice that they flip the genders on um, their head. But I was in a very similar situation when I lost my virginity. I dated someone who was older than me. And had had sex before and I felt very insecure, like if I wasn't going to have sex that I wouldn't be able to keep dating them. And so there is a realness to that. And it is sad, but then you grow up and you, you know, learn from that and then you become a comedy writer. So (laughs) I guess.
0: (laughs) And here you are.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But um, it's weird. It's like walking the line between like these are high schoolers who are going to make bad decisions, who are going to treat each other poorly and learn from it. But I wonder what it's like, you know, what the conversation for teenagers is like now,
0: basically. I think that's mm-hmm. those are good points and things that I am always thinking about on these episodes and always curious to hear what my guests think and what our listeners think. But I know we are, we are coming toward our hard stop time with you. And I have a few more questions that I want to get in. I want to make sure we have time to talk about your show. But to wrap up our Gossip Girl conversation, I would love to know sort of on the whole how this experience of coming back to Gossip Girl, talking about Gossip Girl, being back in the world because of the reboot on HBO Max, like how does it compare to your memories of all things Gossip Girl from when you were a teenager?
2: Mm, It just makes me like embarrassed of things that I did. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes me feel like, um, I don't know, like it's so hard to have those kinds of intense feelings as a teenager and like thank God we have sort of a better handle on things now and It's so funny how you get wrapped up in like, oh my God, I'm gonna make it to the big city someday (laughs) and I'm gonna live like these characters. And then you're like, rent is how much? Like, I'm sorry. There is sort of like a niceness to living in this fantasy world of like where you think your life is going to go when you're a kid and you're reading these mm-hmm. books that uh, gets a little stamped out by like reality when you get
1: older. It yeah. is really funny to think of the things that I romanticized the first time that I read it. Alyssa, I was so sure you were going to say it was nice not reading it on a bathroom floor. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Missing Paris because you were in, in the bathroom yeah, reading Gossip Girl. Reading Gossip Girl. Yeah.
1: No, I think it was fun. It made me, you know, I mean, and I know this is what you do on the pod, it made me really think about other books I kind of want to revisit and see how it makes me feel all over again like I really got wrapped up in a lot of sort of you know I remember them as romantic books like Sarah Dessen books and stuff that I was reading and like devouring when I was in high school I wonder how some of those uh how some of those things would like Alyssa says somewhat embarrass you now as an adult but then also are still just like sweet to touch back on so
0: Sarah Dessen is a little rough I'll just let you know but Oh really? It's not yeah. a good revisit. Um, I like, I like, I won't share much more. But like, I was, I also wasn't like a huge Sarah Dustin fan when I was a teen. So like, I wasn't sort of fighting against my own like sentimentality about it. Mm-hmm. It just didn't, it was, it was a little rough. We've only done two. So maybe there are others that hold up a little bit better, but.
1: Oh my gosh. I got to go listen to this. You have to. And
0: then (laughs) if you read others, you have to let me know how it goes. I will. I will. Other than Gossip Girl, I know, Alyssa, you said you're not a huge reader. Taylor, you might read a little bit more. Are there other books or even articles or like anything cool that you've read or just consumed that you would recommend to our listeners?
1: Yes. I just finished, uh, Writers and Lovers.
0: (gasps) Oh, that's a good book.
1: Oh, by Lily King. I was double checking that it's not Lovers and Writers, but it is Writers and Lovers. Yeah, I like that. I just finished it. I know I'm like somewhat behind on the bandwagon, but I really, really love that. I'm a sucker for for any sort of novel that takes place in a restaurant or with somebody who works in a restaurant because as somebody who has worked mm-hmm. in a restaurant. I, like, I just like lo- – it feels so insider baseball to me. So I really enjoyed that. And then – Oh, I'm currently reading Finding Freedom, which is like a big memoir that movie rights just sold for like a trillion dollars. Um, And it is a memoir about a female chef that's really interesting. Oh. But yeah, those are kind of the, the... And we did also just read, and I think that you would get a kick out of this, the Brian Moylan Housewives book that was just published. And it is oh, yeah. an education. It is just like a nonfiction yeah. look at like the history and the behind the scenes of housewives and it's fascinating
0: should i download it on my kindle for vacation yes oh my gosh oh
1: what a good plane book and like each book because the they're they're broken into you know little chapters of like hey who pays for the trips like (gasps) how does casting work like how do they pick cities like what is the real deal with bravo what's going on with andy cohen like so it's small bite-sized stuff
2: shannon Was found at a casting call at the fucking Orange County Mall. Like, I will never forget that fact. Okay, I'm going to download that
0: for my Mexico trip tomorrow. Yeah, Um, it's. I
1: think it'll be. It's a perfect Venn diagram of of our interests in
0: podcasts. Is this book? (laughs) Have you read the Andy Cohen books? Have you read the Andy Cohen Diaries and Super? And I think the other one's superficial. They're so good. I read. I read both of them in like a single day on a another trip. I think I read them on my honeymoon, and they're really good. So. If you ever want to book club Ooh. those, let me know because I would be very happy to revisit them. Okay, exciting. I yeah. love that idea. Yeah, Alyssa, anything you would recommend?
2: Um, I'm reading Nine Perfect Strangers, and I'm trying to finish it before the show comes out. I really like it. She's so Leanne Moriarty is so talented, and she makes such like dramatic moments out of like small things, like not being able to do the intercom on the gate correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I just aspire to be that level of storytelling. I'm trying to think what else. Taylor and I read a crazy book for her book club, the Miranda July book. What was it? Oh, The First Bad Man by Miranda July. Oh, my God. What a trip!
1: Psychotic. It's it's really (laughs) a psychotic book. It is absolutely bananas. And sometimes, you know, especially when book club votes come around, I'm just like, hey, I've never heard of this before, but let's do it. And it was like the first time my sister-in-law had tried to join book club and she was like,
2: what the hell are you guys doing? It really challenges your sexual boundaries. Um, So yeah, if you're into that. Don't recommend that for your,
1: yeah, don't take that (laughs) book to Tulum, but read it if you want to read something weird AF for sure.
0: Cool. Well, I will include links to all of those recommendations in the show notes for this episode. I will also include links to your podcast, Table Flipping. Can you share a little bit more with our listeners about what you're doing over there? Um, I think it's clear that you are very fun and your show is very fun and just a general good time. But I'd love you to share a little bit more with the SSR community.
2: Yeah. So we talk about women in reality TV, past and present. And we have guests on from mostly from TV and movies because that's where we work, but all different kinds of media. And they come on and they talk about their favorite shows that they watched growing up or like a specific female character that's really stuck with them or shaped them. And the conceit is like, why is reality TV, you know, any less important than Tony Soprano? Like when you have a Teresa Giudice, we are trying to speak about these kinds of things in a way that's not like, a guilty pleasure or fluff that only women like. Um, And I feel like we've had so many guests who we've discovered are like legitimate, very talented movie makers or television writers. And they also are obsessed with like (laughs) siesta. So it's a very fun, like cross section of interest. And you learn a lot about people through talking about their favorite reality shows. And we have
1: new episodes every Friday and our Instagram is at table flipping podcast.
0: Great. Well, go on over and check out Table Flipping. Thank you both so much for your time. It was so fun talking with you. I would gladly talk with you about just about anything, any day. Um, And it was just nice to spend some time together. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Thank you. Bye. SSR is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.